Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Issue 50 of DC Primetime. Uh, this is a milestone, man. This is, uh, been doing this for over a year already. And, uh, issue, yeah. f- not technically our 50th issue. We've done, you know, some, uh, um, Labor some annuals, annuals and, and specials. Yeah. Yep. And so more than 50 podcasts that we've put out through the DC Primetime moniker, but this is the 50th actual issue of, uh, normal issue of this. So still a pretty big milestone. Uh, so yeah, so we're excited to do this. And because of this, and because of a lot of new likes we've gotten on Facebook recently, Rob and I are going to announce a contest giveaway, a new one that we're going to do a little bit later on. And we're, uh, we're pretty excited about what we came up with for, for the prize and and the actually the idea of the contest too, which I think is pretty cool. So we'll go over that with you guys a little bit later on in the podcast. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But introductions, of course, from the Next Level Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck, and from Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. And man, this was a pretty awesome week for the shows. Uh, not gonna lie. Yeah, it was. Uh, we were almost legend across the board. Yeah. Very, very close to it, uh, but yeah, just uh, one show holding out a little bit still. <laughs> still didn't want to give up the goods. It's getting yeah. back there, but it's getting back to it. But didn't uh, didn't quite measure up to the caliber of the other ones this week. And if you listened, if you listened to last week's issue, which hopefully you did, you already know what show we're talking about. Yeah, because yeah. we didn't have a lot of high hopes for it this week, and it surpassed what we were hoping, but still didn't didn't like sell it. That didn't drive yeah. it home all the way. So, uh, but let's jump right into things and let's hit the DC bullet points where we give each of the shows this week our one of three point rating sidekick, hero, or legend. Starting off first with Supergirl season two, episode 13. Rob, what do you give this one? Uh, right off the bat, this is getting a legend. They moved a lot of characters forward uh, this week. It was uh, nice to see. And uh, Mr. Mitsuplex, I'm not going to attempt to say it how they said it on the show because it still <laughs> sounds weird. Uh, but yeah, they did an amazing job here, and I gotta give them uh, props on how they handled the imp from the fifth dimension. Yes, I'm actually I I agree with that. It's a legend for me as well, and um, I I did enjoy. I was always curious because I, I've always enjoyed the episodes with him, and I really do enjoyed how they handled uh, Mister Mitzipiklik. Damn, I was close. I, I I attempted it, and I fumbled. I think they said Mitzipiklik. That's it, Mitzipiklik. Oh, damn it, Mixy. Yeah, don't even bother. Mr. Mixie. He's Mixie. Mr. Mixie for the rest of the yeah. episode. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, moving on next to The Flash Season 3, Episode 13, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Uh, Rumble in the Jungle, uh, definitely here for this one. So, I'm going to say it right off the bat. It gets a legend. Also, I think purely because to- to- uh, blah, blah, blah. Tom Cavanaugh played Triple Duty this week, and it was kind of fantastic to see it. So. Yes. 
agreed legend for me as well and uh watching the promo for next week i got chills i think next week would be is just gonna be a legend again i'm gonna call it right now so uh this week uh next one we have legends of tomorrow season two episode 12 sidekick hero or legend why don't you kick this one off i'm going arthurian legend Nice, um, nicely done. Uh, this was no lie. Out of the two seasons we've gotten of this show, uh, I would put this up there as probably my favorite episode they have done of this show yet. I gotta say, uh, this season's had some of my favorite episodes yet. This is easily one of the ones that is high up there with uh, the villains episode and the George Lucas episode. So I'm gonna say this is probably in the top three, top four runnings of my favorite episodes of this show as a whole yet. So lots of fun, lots of fun things to be had in this one. Yeah, I cannot wait to talk about this episode. Uh, Next up, we have Arrow Season 5, Episode 14, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Uh, Not a sidekick, Um, (laughs) surprisingly. (laughs) Uh, And who thought that Lady Cop could actually be the character I liked the least? So, (laughs) Um, but no, I got to say, this is getting a hero. uh, It's getting back and closer to that legend point. I know I've been hero across the board a couple weeks on arrow but i think now that we've got the idea that prometheus is getting ready to come back full force um it definitely gets a big thumbs up yeah i'm in the same boat i wanted to i was ready to give this last week i was ready to give this one a sidekick off the board without having seen it uh but it didn't bore me as much as i thought it would last week i gave hero a legend this week i'm I'm downgrading a little bit i'm going uh, like a solid mid hero on this one and, of course, lastly, we have Powerless, Season 1, Episode 4, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Uh, legend, obviously. Yeah, uh, agreed with that with me as well. Um, only one show pretty much ruined Legend across the board, and that would be Arrow. But um, Powerless definitely uh, it found its footing last week. And it stayed solid this week. So I'm kind of hoping things keep up with it. And uh, if that's the case, we're going to get six more great episodes of this show. And I can't wait to talk about them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm actually, I got to say, is like, I know we'll, we'll dive into this, but we did not have high hopes after episode two. And a sinking day turned out to be fantastic. But the fact that they were able to kind of replicate that again this week was just great and just even escalated on that. So. Yeah, exactly. So let's get into the the core of the conversation and let's talk uh, the episode breakdown starting off. uh, This is the DC um, Secret Origins portion of the podcast. Uh, Starting off first with Supergirl, season two, episode 13, titled Mr. and Mixes, uh, Mixes, Mr. and Mrs. Mixie. That's what we're calling it. Uh, a magical imp called Mr. Mixie arrives on Earth and wreaks havoc on National City while Kara doesn't reciprocate his feelings. So right off the bat, you know, we had both agreed that this was something they handled the fifth. They handled Mixie very well. Uh, you know, the Mixie episodes of the animated series were always some of my favorites. I was always curious as to how they were going to, uh, you know, how how was Superman going to get him to spell his name backwards or say his name backwards. And I was very curious how they were going to do it in this time. And then towards the end of the episode, when it finally happens, I was like, oh, yep, I kind of see that coming. And it's it's pretty smart. Yeah, um, um, I, I think all in all, I was really concerned because I haven't seen any of the live action ones that he's done with uh, Mitzelplex at all in the past. I know he's been in Smallville, I believe, correct? 
I don't think so. Um, oh yes, he no. Um, yeah, he did, he did. I think he had one one or two. He he did, but though. but he was he wasn't called Mixoplex. He was called Jinx. Okay. Yeah. So they still kind of stuck with the whole fifth dimension imp. So, <clears throat> but I think in general, um, the animated series has always handled it best. But they did such a phenomenal job. Uh, I think here across the board, the character was so much fun, so over the top. Uh, the Aladdin singing that was randomly happening in the beginning, the I can show you the world. <laughs> yeah. And then cutting back into that again a couple sentences later was just everything about his presence on the show this week was great. It caused Kara and Monel to finally seal the deal. Uh, and we saw a lot of great stuff coming out of Alex and Maggie again this week as well. So, and uh, even we get a nice little touch about John still keeping in touch with McGann. So I think. Just relationship-wise, this episode was, uh, you know, it's a week late for Valentine's Day, but they did a really nice job of um, having a very fun Valentine's Day episode. Yeah, uh, I stand corrected as well. Um, Superman, uh, Smallville, he actually was, he was Mikhail Mixo, Mixy. So uh, the name of the episode was Jinx. And I didn't remember this until now, and we'll, we'll touch base on this a little bit later on in the year when we start doing our Silver Age again. Uh, he did appear on an episode of Lois and Clark, uh, and he was played by uh, Howie Mandel. <laughs> I don't know fantastic why. Casting. Yeah, I don't know why I don't remember that. But I'm now looking forward to when we get to go back and rewatch Lois and Clark, so that I can so, see that episode. So maybe what we'll have to do is we'll do two Silver Ages this summer. We'll do a a, a mixy episode where we can do the Smallville, Lois and Clark, and then we'll do an uh, episode of the animated series. And then because we're doing Fifth Dimension, we'll do a Batmite Brave and the Bold in there too because uh, that still has one of the best uh, Fifth Dimension episodes ever. So. I, I know this is off the topic, but um, I just got some breaking news on my phone, which is kind of sad. Uh, Bill Paxton passed away. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, age of 61. Th- that's kind of bummer. I know it doesn't have anything to do with DC, but at the time we're recording this, uh, I'm just getting this breaking news. So it kind of it kind of sucks. Yeah. So not to put a dampener on the podcast, but um, so by the time you're hearing this, you you probably will have known already at this point. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be fun to do like just a complete Silver Age mixy episode to just watch all the different things that Mixoplex has, has showed up on. Yeah, I think fun. that... Th- that sounds like a win. I think that that'll happen this summer. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And then we'll do obviously we'll do Silver Age. We'll include Lois and Clark and and stuff too. I'm not gonna lie. I'm looking forward to going back and rewatching Lois and Clark. Yeah, and uh, you know I'm gonna maybe what we'll do too is we can power through all of Birds of Prey, and then I'll be like, this is the best thing, and then then you're gonna be like, I hate you so much, and then you're like, let's just watch all of the original John Wesley ship Flash, and I'm gonna be like, I hate you so much, and I'm like, this is why we do the show together. But wait, we already did those things. No, all of it. We'll watch all of it. I thought we did. <laughs> well, no, we did episode one. Oh, no, I watched a bunch of <laughs> The Flash and Birds of Prey. I only had to watch the first episode? Damn it. Oh, so you fell for that trap. Oh. I was smart and only suffered for three and a half, four hours. That was Man. it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Man, I suffered my suffered on my own. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, too, we got a lot more out of Alex and Maggie this episode, as well as a bunch of, uh, you know, forward momentum on a lot of characters that we're watching. You, you said we finally got, you know, we got to see Kara and Monel seal the deal. We're seeing more from, uh, you know, Jean McGann. So it, there's definitely a lot of forward movement with the characters in this. And I'm, I'm really enjoying what they did. I got to say, too, the casting of Mixie. I wasn't sure about it when I first saw him at the end of last week, but he sold me on it like 
within the first five minutes of seeing that character, I, I really, really enjoyed the casting. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't remember the actor's name firsthand, but uh, I do know he was one of the few things that I really enjoyed about Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which was the little spinoff for Once Upon a Time. Uh, and he was one of the main characters in that cast. And he actually was quite wonderful in that. I believe he actually played Genie uh, in that. So it was uh, it was a really wonderful casting when I saw him. I'm like, oh, yep, he has this. I Once I realized where I knew him from. So I'm looking forward to seeing them bring him back from the well at some point in time. And I'm sure they will after probably the response. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was had to say, too, I actually had you and your wife, Kat, in mind at one point watching this episode uh, because they went into a Hamilton moment mm-hmm. towards the end with the duel. And, and when I, I was I'm watching that, I'm like, oh, God, Rob and Kat must be like like happy as pigs and shit. Oh, right we, now. <laughs> we were we were cracking up the entirety of that. That was wonderful. Yeah, so I had to, I had a feeling you guys were loving that part as well. So, um, I'm trying to think of some other stuff that happened. I mean, all in all, I think this was just a, I think it was just a fun episode. I don't really think there was any f- main plot storyline driving forward at all. Uh, uh, I think Mon El and Kara is was the big one of them finally saying, "Fuck it, we're gonna do this. We're gonna get together." Uh, we do know we like each other a ton, but I mean. You know, in the past couple of weeks, we've had some build up to the main overarching kind of plot line for the season. This was a very concise. Let's just have, have do a fun episode. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you know, like I said, that was one thing that I gotta commend them for because it felt like a great one off. Uh, beyond all this, uh, when uh, banged uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I mean, a random alien. So, because um, I don't know if anybody else had this feeling, and I know a couple people I talked to who said the girl, the, the alien girl that Wynn does, um, you know, get together with, looked just like Buffy with the vampire makeup from the old CW show. She kind of did. I knew I knew the look from somewhere, and I could, it was Darla from Buffy the uh, Vampire Slayer. She kind of had that look. She yeah. kind of looked like a mixture of Dar- Darla and Buffy when we've seen Buffy as a vamp in the past in, like, for an episode or two. Uh, but yeah, she really had that look. Like everything about it, kind of kept throwing me off. And every time I I saw it, I was like, "Wait a second, something feels off about this character design." And you know, it, not exactly quite the vampire makeup from Buffy, but uh, a little too similar, I think. Yeah, but I mean, it, 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 you're right. So I mean, I'm very curious though to see where they're going to go with though the storyline with Wynn and the alien. Obviously, I think we're going to see her, you know, later on as the time progresses because I, I, I'm assuming they're going to build a relationship between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's kind of where they're leading. And it's kind of interesting to see almost every character in the show now paired off with the exception of James. James, James yeah. is the only one that really isn't at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm really kind of wondering and we didn't even see James, I think really this week at all. Did we? No, I don't think we saw him at all. Yeah, I think this is one of the first times we've seen an episode, especially since he's been Guardian, that he hasn't even been a background character. So uh, I'm very curious to see where we're going to see him next week. I mean, I'm sure I know we've been still seeing the the standard Guardian suit. I know we've been hoping uh, quite a bit that we're going to see the blue and gold after Wynn made the uh, comment about a bullet going through his suit. So I think that's still not off the table. So uh, it's a wait and see. But I mean, I think as as a whole, this is kind of I think the calm before the storm. I know Jeremiah is getting ready to make a comeback on the show very soon. So uh, it's a big wait and see as far as what's next for the show. But I think we're about to ramp up. Terry Hatcher hasn't made her appearance yet. We know she's involved in a big bad way, and um, you know we still have Cyborg Superman and Lillian Luther on the run. So 
Yeah, and and uh, Jeremiah actually returns next week. Yeah, on um, uh, on Supergirl. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see how how that turns out. And it's I think we're going to see the return of a couple characters next week. Cyborg Superman is going to return next week. Jeremiah Danvers. We're going to see Kara Danvers' mom, uh, Kara and Alex's mom, return as well. So it's going to be a big reunion, and I think it might. If it's not, I, I don't think it's going to happen next week, but. Man, it would be pretty awesome if we saw Terry Hatcher's character debut in that episode. Because then it's Ew. a big reunion of not only Lois and Clark, but um, you know, you got the, the original Supergirl, Helen Slater, in there as well. It's just it'd be a big reunion of original Star or Superman characters in one episode. Yeah, I think it would be weird if we did not expect to see a Terry Hatcher and uh, Dean Kane uh, scene on screen at some point. I think that will indeed happen. So I hope so. I hope that's what happens. So, um, anything else uh, about Supergirl that we're that we're forgetting? It was just a wonderful over the top uh, episode. I mean, like I said, I, I, there's not a lot you can really say to break it down. If you know, you know, the from the fifth dimension, it sometimes it sounds better just to say that instead of Mister Mixie. Um, I, I think they handled that character with such care. And, you know, not like I stated last week where he has to say his name three times, not like Beetlejuice, but no. The the way that they had <laughs> Kara kind of kind of trick him into punching his name in on the console in the Fortress of Solitude. And I think that's one thing we can bring up was with the fact that we did get to see the Fortress of Solitude again this week, which was great. We saw a return of, of uh, Parasite as well, granted all at the doings of, you know, uh, Mr. Mixie. So. Yeah. It was kind of cool to see, though. They did. They had a lot of fun with everything that they did. The action this week was over the top and fun. We saw that giant Jor-El statue come to life, which was super awesome. I Uncle Jor-El. That. Yes, that was super <laughs> fantastic. Um, but, yeah, I think everything they did here was great, and I really, really eagerly await uh, the return of his character. So Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure it might not be this season, but I'm sure they're going to bring his character back at some point. You would have to. I mean, that was pretty much the the big thing about him. And um, by the way, he, he looked awesome in the Superman costume. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was always the thing with the animated series is that he constantly found a way back and Superman had to constantly outsmart him again. So I, I think it's only natural if that's what happens on Supergirl. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right, let's move on to the next show this week. Um, as I mentioned to next week's episode, Homecoming is where, where we're going to see uh, the return of Jeremiah Danvers and Cyborg Superman as well. So, uh, But let's move on to the next show of the week, that being The Flash, Season 3, Episode 13, Attack on Gorilla City, Part 1. Uh, Barry and the team travel to Earth 2 to rescue Harry from Gorilla City, where they're captured and brought to Grodd, who claims he needs their help to stop Solovar. Um, first off, right off the bat, loved, loved, loved Tom Felton in this episode. You mean Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones, yes. <laughs> are we going? Are you going to Planet of the Apes? Are you mm-hmm. going to Planet of the Apes? Like, <laughs> um, loved Tom Felton in this episode. He he's such a great addition to this show. Yeah, he's really, really proving his mettle in the show. Like, he is such a great addition because he's some he's a character. Like, he's kind of a nice amalgamation of both Cisco and Caitlin. Yeah, and then we've seen him kind of on the the darker side of both of their characters as well as the the more humorous side. So it's been uh, he's been so much fun to have around, and I love the relationship they're building between him and Caitlin too. So, yeah. So it's 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 I, I loved. He's a great addition to this show, and I really hope that when this season ends, we're not going to see anything that's going to cause his character to leave. Um, 
you know, because he's kind of like uh, at the same time, he's kind of how what we thought of Eddie at first. You know, we kind of thought Eddie was kind of a dick. And then his character really started to grow on us until he sacrificed himself for, you know, the good of the team. And I love where we're going with Tom Felton's character with Julian. And I really hope that this is a character this time that's not a one and done season character. I think I hope he sticks around for a long time. That and I hope they can kind of shake the curse of killing off Caitlyn's boyfriends. So, yeah, because it seems like that's exactly where that's going with this season. And I want to say while we're on that topic, let's just talk about this. I'm going a little out of the norm with my line of the week. My line of the week this week, anytime we do a line of the week, it's always usually something funny. This week, I'm changing it up a little bit. My line of the week this week is from Julian's character. Because Julian's character, or Tom Felton's character, Julian, I will tell you right now, at the end of that episode, is smooth as shit when it comes to the ladies. My my line of the week is when he turns to Danielle, Danielle Panabaker, when he turns to Caitlin and says, do you know what helps me get over fear? A filet and a good Bernays. <laughs> and, you know, and then he uses that to ask her to dinner. That's smooth as shit. Yeah, let's, so, let's go. Let's go have steak and not be afraid together. Exactly. You know? So you know what? My line of the week goes to Julian this week, and that is my line of the week this week. I think that is a that is very very much a rightful um, placement for your line this week. I yeah. think that was, like I said, it was he was one smooth motherfucker in that moment, man. So uh, yeah, good good props to him on that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but let's get into the meat of the episode. God damn, we got to go to Gorilla City. I didn't know Solivar was an ape. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, that I did not know. Um, but you mentioned it at the top of the episode, too. Um, Tom Cavanaugh playing triple duty this week. And not only playing triple duty, but playing triple duty very well. Like, you can very easily distinguish the three different characters that he is playing in this episode. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no beating around it. This is, they are three distinct personalities that he's playing. Yeah, I mean, we get to see him as HR, we get to see him as Harry, and then we get to see him as kind of the the voice of Garad for quite a few sequences. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I, I what I liked, I'm trying to think of a way to put this. We do know that they, they we, we did already know from the beginning of this season that they were going to be going back to Gorilla City. I don't think we knew at first it was going to be a two-part episode, but I'm excited that it is. And we know from past conversations how much money it costs the studio to make episodes like this. But it seems like this first part, and this isn't a gripe at all, I'm I'm excited about this, is it seemed you saw Groot, you saw Salivar, but that was really all you saw as far as CGI effects. I mean, there was the audience of apes, but that wasn't really anything too massive. I think what we're really going to see is I think a, a, a... good chunk of the special effects for this are probably going to be in part two. Yeah, I think so as well. I think um, this kind of, in essence, was a bottle episode this week because most of the core members of the Team Flash were locked in cages for the majority of the episode, Yeah, which was a really smart way of handling how to deal with your budget when you're doing something like this, when you are on a limited budget. And because I have to give them so much in the way of props, but when we saw those up-close shots of Garad, man, he looked phenomenal he looks fantastic like, he, there is and like when they did king shark you know last year i mean 
every time they pull out a, these big CG characters, I am more and more impressed that I am watching a TV show. They they don't have any right to have characters look this good on network television. No, I mean, and this is to, we're at the point now where if Killer Shark hadn't drawn Kevin Smith in, he'd be in with Grodd. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I think it was one of those things that, like, it makes you, if you flip channels and you even have basic cable and you see something like that, and like, wait a second, this is on CW. Holy crap. It's going to make you stop, make you pause, and be incredibly surprised. Because, I mean, we've seen amazing-looking apes on the big screen in the last couple of years with uh, somebody, you know, you know, someone's work that we'll be talking about later, but, like, you know, Planet of the Apes. Um, and what we've seen with what Weta has done with that. And the fact that they're pulling off... I wouldn't say the exact same caliber because what you see in Planet of the Apes is unbelievable, but this is phenomenal. This is this looks great. It's not some dude in a monkey suit or a gorilla suit. They are doing full-on great CG work here, and especially that fight sequence we saw later on between Solovar and Flash, that looked astounding. I was it, absolutely blown away. It did, and I mean, it's even one of those situations, like, I, I would freely admit, there are times when we've watched past episodes of this show where you see some of the CGI with Barry as the Flash, and I'm like, okay, you can very much tell that's CGI. You can tell in the face that it's, you know, it's a computerized version of his face. But even during that fight scene with Solovar, when you saw, not just Solovar, but Barry, when you saw Barry doing, like, the speed around and everything, even he looked fantastic this time around. I think they even stepped up the special effects on him as well. Yeah, I, I kind of think that every time you see an episode like this as far as the effects quality, it gives a pass to when you're like, okay, they did this other shot kind of cheaply in a previous episode this season, and you understand why. It's saving money for moments like these. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's perfectly fine, and it's perfectly acceptable when you look at it. It may take you out of the moment in those episodes, but when you see something like this, yeah, there you can your brain can say, okay, well, there's some inconsistencies here, but again, they're wor- working with net- network television budgets, and the fact that they are making sure they hang tight onto these moments. I mean, Christ, you have to remember, they helped pay for Invasion this season, too. I mean, so we've gotten a lot of just awe moments so far this season. Yeah, I mean, and you're right, and I think they between Invasion and this, man, this this show never disappoints when it comes to these, these big, like, one, two-part episodes. I, I get excited for them every time. So, I mean, and the amount of money that they put into the special effects, like you said, is just, it's amazing, and we don't know how much money that they spent, but as good as it looked, like this is movie quality CGI. Yeah, this is something you could have very easily seen on the big screen, and yeah. it, it would have been just as good. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Um, so I got to say again, though, going back to to Kavanaugh though this week, uh, it was so great to see Harry back in the mix. As much as I love HR. Um, there was something about, you know, Harry from Earth 2 that was such a, something so wonderful. And to know that we're going to get him full force again next week uh, makes it even better. Uh, but I love just watching HR and Harry playing off of each other in that one quick sequence we get to see near the end of the episode. When it's kind of like, oh, you know, I guess we have you to thank for this. And he's like, nope, <laughs> not at all. So Yeah, but I mean, it's also nice, too, that he, like, HR kind of knows his place with the team now. Um, And it's also I love the fact that it's another one of those relationships where like even Cisco says like, uh, you know, like he's not a scientist. He's a complete fraud. We couldn't have done it without him. Uh, You know, it's still it's still a great 
moment for that character. As I mentioned, you know, HR had to, it took some time, but HR grew in me. And I really did like, I really do like HR. And I love the interaction between HR and, um, and like the two personalities of Kavanaugh. Like I, it's, it's great. I, I'm, I wasn't disappointed at all. Well, some of the other big standouts this week too was, uh, was HR and Jesse. Um, they, they had some, some shorter sequences, but the humor that was there and present was great. And especially when, you know, HR at the end of the episode is talking to Jesse. It's kind of like, you know, Wally wants you to move to Earth One. You know, you guys can continue your, you know, relationship, and get that thing started. And she was just like, you know, you got to go for kind of the affairs of the heart, kind of keep moving forward with that. And then she's like, kind of like, thanks for the talk. And then she is off camera and he looks at, you know, Harry, like, kind of crashed out in bed. He's like, man, your dad's going to be so pissed. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that. That was so great. Yeah, because, yeah, when they, like, when they walk away and he's just like, oh, he's going to be so pissed. <laughs> it's like, I loved it. Yeah. So it, but, it's, it just stands out yet again as to one of the reasons why, like, yes, Grant Gustin is fantastic. I love Carlos Valdez. Love Daniel Panabaker. But, man, Kavanaugh is probably my favorite character on this show. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you got to give him so much credit for the amount of work that he puts into that show. I mean, everybody on that cast is phenomenal, and everybody has earned their place there. I mean, I don't think there's anybody you can really argue about at all at this point. I know early season one, some of season two, yeah, you totally could have, but everybody be- like definitely belongs uh, on that cast. Absolutely. They play off of each other so incredibly well. And then, you know, you know, not even talking about that tonight, but, like, we had a lot of great, um, you know, discussion and, you know, character interaction points between wally and jesse this week and a lot of them were actually pretty touching yeah i agree with that i mean i'm it was one of those things that like throughout the run of this show we've always wondered what kind of relationship did they have were they good friends did they care about each other i mean you always knew they cared about each other but was it something that they wanted did they want it to be something more and we finally got a resolution on that this episode which i i really enjoyed uh you know because obviously we see by the end of this jesse has decided which i think is awesome that she is going to move to earth one to be with wally yeah and so we're now getting a third speedster into the mix which is gonna be amazing and uh, i i just i loved um you know like keenan lonsdale was was another fantastic uh, performance this week yeah i absolutely agree um i think one of the things that's gonna be exciting to think about though too is not just three speedsters but i believe we have a fourth speedster in action next week as well um, and that's not Savitar. I believe, uh, or I bl- uh, right now, somebody is coming over from Earth-19 with Gypsy that are going to help kind of stop the threat So of uh, the gorilla attack. So I'm really curious. Um, I saw some shots real quick. I couldn't catch who it was. I'll have to do some digging. Obviously, we'll talk about it next week, but I know it's another speedster that uh, is from the books. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, and I can hear Ben's fingers typing away, trying to figure out who <laughs> this is. Uh, uh, he is the accelerated man that from is Earth correct. 19. And so. I did see shots of him, and he looked awesome. Like his his character design, if memory serves correctly, is pretty much spot on to the books. So I mean, next week all hell breaks loose because we know we've already seen pictures of Cisco in action, suited up as Vibe. Gypsy and him fighting side by side because obviously you can tell at the end of the episode uh, they're going to find a way back to the gorillas are going to find their way back to Earth One and the only other way that they can do it is somebody else that can open breaches and more than likely they found a way to contact Earth Nineteen 
in the process. And you can definitely tell Gypsy is under mind control from Garad. Yeah. So. And I'm looking at the images of the accelerated man. He looks pretty spot on. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no, there's no denying that's who it is. So, so four, four speedsters and two with, with uh, you know, vibration and breaching powers in action next week. That is going to be something truly astounding against a war of gorillas on Central City. Yeah, so, it, a it, lot to be excited about next week. It's going to be amazing. Um, yes. So yeah, so I mean, I, I really think that that covers probably most of this week's episode. There's going to be so much more that's going to come out of next week that I just, man, I'm so excited. I get so excited by this show, like so quick. Yeah, I, I think everything they they've been doing, like I was feeling a little worried and rocky, you know, earlier in the season when they had the alchemy stuff going on, Savitar going on. You know, I you and me both shared a lot of the same viewpoints, and you know, we were really concerned about Tom Felton. That they've amazed amazed me by turning him around in such a great way, uh, and even still having him be alchemy, which is something that we didn't want to see happen, and they made it work, and they're doing a really good job not dragging that out. Uh, more than likely, kind of similar to Arrow, this this is kind of cleaning the other parts off the table as we're getting ready for the big conflict to kind of start kicking off. So I think we're only going to see, you know, the Gorilla City and then maybe and then we have the musical episode as the other kind of later throwaway. But I think things are going to about to start getting really intense really fast on the show. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, I did hear, uh, before we move on to Legends of Tomorrow, I did hear um, a theory. And I want to know what your thoughts on this are. And you kind of touched base on this a little bit earlier, but in a different element. You, I think you had read a theory or you had come up with a theory that the, po- the, um, the possibility of Savitar being um, – who did you think it was? Uh, A- Abracadabra. Abracadabra. Uh, I heard a different theory that Abracadabra possibly could be HR. Uh, you know, from a different world that's actually future advanced. Yeah, I, I thought there was, a, I think there was a plot going on around somebody was taking the abracadabra theory, and it wasn't that HR was him, but it was his partner Randolph from Earth 19. So I think there was the, the thought process there. So everybody's kind of wondering still how they're going to do that. And I, I, I think right now, regardless. I do think it's either Wally or somebody that we don't expect, and I'm starting to wonder if it really is a speedster as well. So I'm really curious on how this is all going to play out. Um, and even if it is just a speedster, and we do see traditional Savitar in you know in the flesh uh, before the end of the season, I'd be interested to see how they're going to handle it. But I mean, the journey has been so much fun, and I love this whole idea of crap. We know we screwed up because it's that whole prophecy board that Rip Hunter old school, you know, uh, you know, DC comics kind of like these are the plot threads about to happen. Um, and I love the fact that they're playing with that concept. And I think it's so much fun. And I'm sure we haven't seen the last of John Wesley ship this season. There's so much more to come, I think. Yeah. Um, and, but like you said, uh, I'm along for the ride, man. I, I really don't care what way they go at this point. I won't criticize anything. Uh, because anytime I had criticism, like you mentioned earlier, they turned it around and made it work. So, uh, I'm not judging. I'm just along for the ride at this point. I'm loving every second of it. Yeah. The only thing I will say at this point in time, I'm still really concerned that Joe West is the person that's going to die. And I think that's the one thing that could actually make me be disappointed with the season. Um, you know, the idea of Barry losing every, you know, father slash mother figure 
would be bothersome. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I hope it doesn't happen, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, that's true. So, so moving on. Moving on. Oh, God, I can't wait to talk about this episode. Uh, we are moving on to Legends of Tomorrow, Season 2, Episode 12, titled Camelot slash 3000. The Legends continue their quest to find the Spear of Destiny before the Legion of Doom get their hands on the pieces. Their first stop is the future, after which they travel to Camelot and find Stargirl regarding a piece of the spear. Um, so, we didn't spend a lot in 3000, in the year 3000, but I'm happy about that. This has been... I, I've i grown up. I, I felt very much like Ray in this episode. I will not lie about that. Because Ray was the big focus. He was, he was a big... He was my absolute favorite part of this episode. Or Sir Raymond of, of the, the Palms. palms. <laughs> uh, there were so many things. and There were a couple of things in this episode that were like... Duh, why didn't I think of that moments? Like, for example... The Spear of Destiny, the piece being Excalibur. Duh, why did I not think of that? Like, of course it's fucking Excalibur. And, of course, halfway through the episode, I'm thinking, okay, we've got Arthur, we've got Galahad, we've got Merlin. Where the fuck is Lancelot? And, of course, Guinevere thanking Sarah Lance a lot. Duh, why did I not put two and two together? Like, you know, I, it's it was so in front of your face that it's it, you couldn't even see it. It, it. That's what it was. It was. And not only that, but this this episode, I mean, you, you can ask my girlfriend. I was geeking out so much when I was done with this episode that like there were so many laugh out loud moments of this. Like, right from the beginning, when you first see Guinevere, and she takes off her helmet, and she says, you know, after the whole conversation about from Nate, saying, this is really how they dressed, and Sarah's like, well, you look like a leper. And then they meet Guinevere, and she takes the helmet off and introduces herself. She's like, I will take you for audience to Camelot, but your leper has to stay. Like, it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm geeking out again already. Like, uh, this is one of those episodes that I will go back and I will rewatch a couple of times. Yeah, this this was so much fun. I mean, and everything about this was great because the timing for me was wonderful because of uh, just a couple days ago. Actually, not a couple days ago. Just yesterday, I actually went to the Museum of Art in Philadelphia. And uh, they have a gorgeous uh, area that is just, you know, medieval, you know, armor and swords and so seeing that, I was just thinking about Legends of Tomorrow for, for most of it, because it was just something about that just brought me right back to the episode. So this obviously is a lasting one in my memory for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, I grew up reading about King Arthur. I mean, when you look at King Arthur and Robin Hood, King Arthur is my favorite folktale, like, ever. And so I, we've talked about this for the past couple of weeks, and I was excited about this episode coming up because of they were going to Camelot. But... Actually seeing it, I've seen I've seen shows go to Camelot before. I've seen movies go to Camelot before. This is one of the most well-done times I've ever seen Camelot done. And that's one of the reasons I loved it so much. Like, even, yes, there was future tech involved. It was still done well. Yeah. So I was, I, 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 I can't say how much I loved this episode. This, there was something really this special about all the little things they did here. I mean, 
and let's let's kind of get into some of the, the I think one of the best parts parts about this season so far is still the consistent relationship that brotherly relationship between Ray and Nate. Everything about that has made this show a little bit more special this season. Uh, the way that they play off of each other and just kind of like it's the quips back and forth. And like I said, everything about it just makes me smile every time that they share scenes on screen. So I'm really happy that they took advantage of that, but kind of showed that Nate had to play Big Brother this week a little bit versus Ray. Yeah, uh, and it's it's nice to see their dynamic as friends is just consistently evolving week over week. Yeah. So, um, I want to say too, there there was um, other than the fact that they were Camelot that they were in Camelot, and I geeked out about that. I do have to say, I think. Yes, one of the ideas in the back of my head before they went to Camelot was, well, Camelot didn't really exist, so how are they really going to Camelot? Um, I thought that was explained pretty well. You know, Stargirl had gone back to that time. Camelot was a real place, but it was just nothing but just a small village. And she kind of turned it into what she knew Camelot to be. Uh, So for that reason, I was excited because, I mean... Uh, one of the the only contention I have about the fact that this is Camelot and stuff was the fact that Excalibur was still in the stone. Excalibur, Arthur pulling Excalibur from the stone is what made him king. So how is he King Arthur with the sword being in the stone? But when you think about everything about how it was really just the peace and of the Spear Destiny and that Camelot was in essence created by Stargirl, it, it, it made sense. So... It was a very small point of contention that I was easily able to look over. Yeah. Uh, and I got to give big props, too. I love the fact that they turned Damien Dark into the Black Knight. That was such a great twist on that legend, too. I, I was, it's, it just fit in there so wonderfully. Yeah, I was curious because I knew that we, we had already seen Rip and I knew the Black Knight was there. So I didn't know who the Black Knight was going to be. It was either going to be Damien or Malcolm. So when we got to the sword fighting, I was like, okay, I think it's Malcolm. And then I thought about it more, and I'm like, nah, Malcolm was, you know, Malcolm was, you know, Raj at one point. So he's better than that at sword fighting. It's got to be Damien, and then it's revealed that it's Damien. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like I said, the, the pieces fit together so nicely. And I got to say, too, one thing we haven't even brought up yet, and I thought was one of the most amusing pieces that was happening in the background of the episode was Dr. Stein and Mick. Dr. Stein and Mick. Their <laughs> continued evolution of their friendship as well. Um, and just Stein stealing tech from the year 3000. Um, you know, and just Mick being like, oh, you, you did something bad. This is great. You know, he's like, it takes a thief to know a thief. That that whole mindset. But I love the fact that it's Mick's brain that shuts down the tech. Everything about that just makes this show just makes me crack up, makes me smile, and makes me realize why I love the, the, the you know, ragtag crew on the Wave uh, wave Rider so much. Yeah. Because it works so wonderfully when you expect Martin Stein to be the brains behind the operation and find a way to stop it. And they're like, nope. <laughs> well, not only that, but I think what I liked, what I also liked about that was even not being in the fray of everything. I know somebody posted it on our Facebook page. Uh, Facebook.com slash DC Primetime that and, and I know we you and I kind of both agreed with it is that we haven't seen Stein and you know um uh Jefferson yes. like yeah. become Firestorm lately. Like it's almost like a waste of a character lately. But I, I to agree to a to a degree I agree with that. But to another degree I don't because 
I in, I'm actually enjoying seeing them finding their individuality. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm enjoying the relationship between Professor Stein and Mick. And I enjoyed the fact that even though Mick and Stein weren't in the fray, Mick was still kind of the hero of the episode. Yeah. Because well, without, think... without that tech, without the tech from Stein and Mick taking control of it, man, those guys would have been slaughtered. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, to, to kind of back up your point there, uh, and I absolutely agree, is we had so much time to spend with Jackson and Stein together through season one, the beginnings of season two. We know how they work together as far as their relationship as friends and partners as being Firestorm. So it's really nice that we've seen both of the characters get out of their comfort zones this season. Yes, it does mean that Firestorm is off the board when they're separated like that. But I also like the fact that they're not using him as this MacGuffin. It's like we have this all-powerful weapon at all points in time. Because usually when you think about Firestorm, I'm like, he's, you know, when you go up against, you know, the Legion... He's kind of, you know, with maybe the exception of the reverse flash, the the most powerful entity on that show, hands down. Yeah. So it's it's nice that they're not relying on that too much and we're actually getting some good character characterization and character moments between those characters. That I think that's that's more worthwhile than I think constantly pulling out Firestorm and your big gun whenever you need it. Yeah. I mean and you know, we're We've seen a bunch of that individuality from these characters, and even with Rip being back in the mix, you know, we're still seeing how these characters are becoming, you know, coming along on their own without the leader that they once had who brought them together. I still think Rip at some point is going to become part of the group again, and I think we're getting closer to that as as we go on, but I'm still enjoying seeing, you know, Sarah as the captain at this point. And on that note, can I just ask the question, is Sarah going to hook up with every female from history? Yes. Okay. All right. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> it's definitely, it feels like that's, it, it's just become the ongoing running joke. It's like Kenny dying in the early seasons of South Park. Yeah. It just feels <laughs> yeah. like whenever they have some place that they can go, it does, it, it, it's become, uh, like I said, it's just become a background joke, and it, but it, you know, it works in this show. It does. It, I'm not complaining so. about it at all. I'm when I ask that question, I'm asking it in a joking manner. Oh yeah, totally. You know, because when I see her, like when I see the two of them getting ready to kiss, and like you know, Guinevere asking, like, "Do you have to leave?" I'm like, "Oh, brother, really? Again? Here we go." Mm-hmm. And then, and then they kiss, and I'm like, "Okay, all right." You know, Sarah's making out with history, so it works. Well, it's you know what it is. It's it's. Every episode, you know, is a part of something larger, but every one of them feels like a mini adventure story, like those swashbuckling stories. And it's the hero gets the girl at the end, and it's it's their twist on that. I think that's that's why it works. It's even Ray kind of brings that up at the end, you know, this episode before she kisses Guinevere. So, yeah, that's true. But I mean, again, I felt very much like Ray, and like he, you know, he said this is a, a he was a kid who read these books as a child, and. You know, they got him through his childhood, and I kind of felt very similar is that I read these books growing up, and, you know, I wanted to be Ray. I never so badly wanted to be a legend uh, than in this episode. Yeah. Because I would be Ray. Like, I would be there in armor with Ray because that's who I was growing up. So, like, I felt so much for his character, and I'll tell you right now, he's going to be in Chicago. If I'm moderating his panel, this is the first thing I bring up is this episode. Yeah, I think rightfully so. I mean, this was such a huge standout for him. Yeah, uh, you know, I got to get into it because it goes ties into my line of the week. 
So the quick moment where we see him suited up in armor for the first time, <laughs> grab his sword, he's like, I couldn't resist, and you see him turn on the ionization in his hand and create his very own lightsaber. Um was just something amazing, and it was just that look it, of everybody and looking at Nate and be like, I, I'm, I couldn't resist. I ionized the blade. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a saber of light. Light. As And then my line of the week is specifically, <laughs> just don't call it a lightsaber, serious trademark. <laughs> <laughs> Which is brilliant. I love it. So, I mean, again, it just goes to show you, like, it's... This is a show for everybody. Um, you know, you might not be into the Flash, you might not be into Arrow, but this show is so much fun, and I st- I end up loving this show more and more every week. Yeah, and this this, and this is, episode was just this whole season has been one giant highlight for me. It it's it's been you know when some of the episodes are just like hey you know this is kind of a hero this week this is this Legend has been primarily legends for me across the board this season there's only been a couple i think that i've even given heroes um but so far yeah i'm incredibly impressed the just the amount of work they've done between season one to season two it makes me even more excited for what's to come when they hit season three so yeah so which i think we've already found out they, they have been renewed for season three right they have yeah they all, all had all the shows that early renewal was actually something we're going to get into a little bit in the news at the end of the episode too so um, I guess the last thing we have to talk about was how great it was to see, you know, the final mentions of where the JSA are scattered throughout time and what happened with Rip. Like, Rip set this up way in advance, uh, which is kind of wonderful to see that, like, okay, you know, we have Stargirl back in Camelot. Dr. Midnight was in the year 3000, and we know Commander Steel is coming up shortly as well. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how this is all going to fit into place. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things, too, that it was another one of those, oh, yeah, moments of the show where, you know, Stargirl is telling Amaya about how, you know, they, they went on one final mi- They had to report for one final mission, and this was it. And the last we had heard of the JSA was that they had gone for one final mission and had never returned. And I just remembered like tying watching this episode, tying the two of those points together and being like, Oh yeah, that's right. They did go on one mission that they never returned from, and now this is the reason why. Is that Rip recruited them and spread them out throughout time with the pieces of the spear. Yeah. So uh it makes me wonder if we're gonna get back to Lance Hendrickson and he has a piece on present day as well, because they did say they were gonna get into uh, him being the son of Alan Scott at some point. So that still is yet to happen. So I don't think we've seen the end of Lance Hendrickson as well. And I, I don't, yeah, I don't the think end, so The end of the season is going to be the JSA and the Legends versus the Legion of Doom. Which would be awesome. Full four-part Legion of Doom. Oh, yes, and we know that's coming very soon. Yes, so. we do. Uh, next week on Legends, uh, episode 13, Land of the Lost, the Legends are left 70 million years in the past when Rip causes the Wave Rider to crash after his capture. Uh, 70 million years in the past, you would figure there might be dinosaurs involved, so we might be seeing some cool CGI. We do know from the promo, though, that at least one of the Legends will be facing, I guess, what would probably be a time remnant of themselves. So Yes, and I believe that's actually going to be Sarah. Yeah, well, the promo does show that it's Sarah. So, because uh, I watched all the promos before we started recording. But yeah, it is. You Sarah faces off against another version of herself. So I'm, I'm I'm assuming it's a time remnant at this point. Yeah. So, 
All right, let's move on to Arrow Season 5, Episode 14, titled The Sin Eater. Three of Oliver's old foes break out of prison and form an alliance. Meanwhile, Lance is confronted about an old partnership. And let's move on to Powerless. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, we'll, we'll talk about the episode. So, I mean, there's definitely some big ramifications that did come out of this week's episode uh, that are going to lead into next week. So I'm very much looking forward to next week's episode. However, uh, this is one of those episodes, I gave it a hero because it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. But even still, like, the storyline with the three females, you know, with Cupid and um, and China White... Uh, you could you didn't have to do it. Yeah, well, I think you know what it is is I, I think this episode is kind of a result of the last, you know, the four seasons that came before the show. They have not left many of their villains alive and now they don't have a lot to pluck from and that causes problems. I mean, we've even seen characters introduced in Supergirl this season that have already come back. Um, Arrow ha- doesn't have a, a deep pool to actually kind of pluck their villains from. You have people like Brick and Murmur got killed last season, but like basically we have Brick and uh, you know Damian Dark. If they found a way to bring him back into the mix, but even in their timeline, he's dead. They have Malcolm Merlin and basically Malcolm Merlin and Vertigo, uh, like the Peter Stormare version of Vertigo, uh, out there. There's not much left, so you know you know Slade is locked away somewhere. But they've made these great huge villains but those little one-offs they just don't have anything to really pull from and and you kind of remember in the end of this you're like well crap they really don't have many left to pull from yeah you have you know china way uh china white or chinya way or whatever they refer to her actual normal name is uh you know lady cop which is liza warner and cupid and you know pulling the three of them together does not make for one one villain let alone three so that was kind of the downside. I mean, I think they handled the situation as best as they could. I didn't expect Liza Warner to be the one I'd be most interested in, especially after her first appearance on the show, uh, where they just kind of made her a rogue cop. Um, and even Cupid, who we've at least gotten some humorous lines from in the past, didn't have a lot to do here. China White was just there. I mean, they didn't feel like it was necessary. I could have seen them just say, we're going to make Liza a big character because she's only had one appearance. Uh, and try to do something massive with her. And they, I think they wasted an opportunity to do that. Yeah, so. no, I, I'm in agreement with that as well. I mean, we haven't seen Liza since uh, season four, I believe it was. Like yeah, it early, was early, season early on season yeah. four. Um, so much to the point, too, that I kind of almost forgot who her character was. Right. Uh, you know, I had remembered China White. I remembered Cupid, but I I knew there was a third female in the mix, and I had almost forgotten who she was. So, like, even the time that we had seen her before, she wasn't that impactful on me. Um, you know, I when we did see her, and I did remember who she was. I I completely forgot how she was picked up until we were reminded of that this week with Quentin. Yeah. So, I mean, you you have two. You brought in three characters that I was never really thrilled about to begin with. So my interest for this episode wasn't that into it. Uh, However, there were some things that did come out of this episode that I enjoyed. We finally got the upgraded Mr. Terrific costume this week. Yeah, we did. And it actually looked very good. It looked a lot closer to the comic book counterpart. Uh, Very happy to see that. 
They did a great job on the design, so big kudos on that. It's a shame that Curtis still really isn't quite terrific at being Mr. Terrific, <laughs> but um, as we saw him just curled up in the fetal position at one point during the big fight at the end of the episode, just getting kicked by two women. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was the best way to put that. It was... You had Cupid and I think and and China White just over top of him, just kicking him repeatedly, uh, and that was that was the extent of his fighting this week. Yeah. Um, so I would like to see him start working and focusing on his tech a little bit and start seeing those T spheres come out into the open sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's one thing they do need to see. We do need to see a big step up from still with his character. He looks the part now. He has to play the part. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> and we did obviously see a lot more happen between, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, between uh, Oliver and Susan, uh, because you know Susan, Su- to much to my surprise, Susan Pope pretty much, or Susan Williams pretty much, Carly Pope is the actress. Uh, Susan Williams pretty much just comes out and flats out asks Oliver, "Are you Green Arrow?" Yeah, and, and it, sh- thought- it, it kind of shocked me because at first he's like, "Yes, really." And he starts laughing. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, are you really going to be that open with her about that? And, like, it kind of threw me because I thought he was flat out admitting it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, what we saw from her this week was great. But we did see, be, you know, the moment that that was known, you see Overwatch getting into some crazy crap again with Helix uh, and uh, kind of teaming up with Thea on taking her down, which causes some big ramifications for Thea pretty much by the end of the episode where you start seeing a very strained relationship between her and Oliver. And one of the things I got to bring up, because we didn't bring this up uh, last week in the news, uh, you know, we've definitely seen a lack of uh, Willa Holland this season. And there has been some things that have come out recently about that. And that was based on her contract this season. Her, her, her contract this year was for only for 13 episodes. So that does explain her absence that we have seen so far. Um, I think a lot of this has to do primarily with the new cast members and them obviously not being able to cram everybody into a single episode. So they're using her very sparingly, but I don't think we've seen the best of what's to come still for Thea this season. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Um, yeah, you know, we there have been some people who said, like, where's Thea if you see this person? I saw a meme that was out there that just said, like, if you see – there's a picture of Willa Hahn. It was like, if you see this person, like, please report to the authorities because – we hadn't seen her for a while. But I find it interesting, though, that when they finally bring her back, they build up within two episodes this broken relationship between her and Oliver. And I'm very curious now to see where they're going to go with it. Are we going to see Re- Thea suit up as Speedy again anytime soon? Because yeah. I would almost think like this is the point where because of that broken relationship, knowing Oliver the way we do, he's just going to be like, we've got this under control. You don't have to be there. Yeah, but I do like the fact that he was like, you know what? You remind me a lot of Mora at this point. I like, And the fact that he brought that tie together, I'm like, that's kind of interesting because I, until he said that, I did not even see it. But when it, the moment he stated it, I'm like, holy crap, she is. She's absolutely becoming Mora Queen. Well, like so. mother, like daughter. I mean, it's only fitting that that's, that that's what's happening. Yeah. So hopefully so, her she her fate she doesn't suffer the same fate as Moira. Yeah, uh, that yeah, like I said, hopefully Slade does not break out anytime soon and stabs her in the middle of the field. Yeah, so exactly. 
Um, but yeah, you know, one of the things I got to say, though, too, uh, there's a character that I've been very down on uh, recently, and I, I gave a little bit more praise to last week, and I got to say I'm going to give a little bit more again this week. Uh, Dinah Drake, uh, she is turning it around, and I really loved the quick sequence we saw between her and uh, Quentin this week, um, with her kind of showing a lot of reluctance to putting on the mask um, of Black Canary, and it was Quentin just kind of cornering her at the police station, kind of like, I hear you're... Uh, you're going to become the new Black Canary. And him surprisingly being okay with it. And she's like, I am not here to replace your daughter. And I think that was kind of a nice message from this show. Yeah. Uh, that they kind of treated it in that way. I know they've done it a little bit in the past. And it was just hearing that come out of Quentin meant a lot more than it comes out of Oliver. Because me and Kat, uh, my wife, we always joke that this show, you know, in like season three, season four, you could have summed up just about every episode with – the entire, you know, you know, partners of the Arrow Cave being like, Oliver, no. And it's just him running around screaming like, Oliver, yes! You know, and just <laughs> doing the total opposite of what you want him to do. So he's not really the voice of reason of this show. It's it's everybody together makes a single good voice of reason. Um, because his judgment has been lacking. Uh, but this season, you've seen him really turn that around. But still, he makes for a poor narrator at times because of that. So when he tells somebody, you have to do this, you're like, is he doing this for his own means so he doesn't feel guilty about the situation of the death of, you know, Laurel, you know, and but when you hear that backed up by Quentin, you're like, OK, this is fine. We, we can move this forward. I'm still not entirely sold, though, that this is where uh, this canary angle is going to wrap up, though. I'm, I'm really still not too sure. I'm not either. I, I, I still think there's another end game in mind. For, for the writers of the show, I still don't think Dinah is going to be the final um, the final canary that we're going to see. No, so, I don't either. So, I, I, and I think, I don't know if that's going to be this season. I don't know if it's going to be next season, but I still think, I still think Dinah is only a temporary fill-in for, for this. Yeah, I do. Right now, that's exactly where I'm feeling. Uh, we, we both could be completely wrong. Um, but I will say this. Her character is becoming something interesting that's unique. It's It doesn't feel like a retread of Laurel at all. Um, and she's bringing something a little bit different to the team. We haven't seen a lot of her yet. But so far, I'm really interested to see where she's going to go. Yeah. And I, I going back on your, your, your note, too, about Quentin and Dinah together, uh, I very much... I enjoyed that interaction, not just the interaction with Quentin and Dinah, but also the the interaction with Quentin and Oliver about the situation earlier on, too. Like, you know, like, oh, you seriously have to give her, you know, a, a moniker. And he's like, and Oliver looks at Quentin and says, I'm actually thinking Black Canary. Are you OK with that? Yeah. You know, and. And, and you know, and Quentin's response, I can't remember it word for word at this point, but like, it was very positive and. Uh, that surprised me because I was very curious as to how he was going to react to that. Yeah, it was nice to see them finally address that. That was something we even talked about on last week's episode. And I think his response to the, that when he was even talking to Dinah is like, Laurel didn't want somebody taking over for her. They wanted to carry on for her. And I think that was the best way to put it. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know talking about like what I guess we could focus on the, the main point of contention that happens at the end of the episode, which is going to lead into next week. Uh, and that is the fact that we get a little bit more about the cover up. And this is, I'm happy about this because this is jumping back into the Prometheus storyline, which is what something the show has gotten away from lately for good reason. I'm sure, but we're, we're starting to get back into that now. I mean, cause let's not forget we are at 
episode 14. So we have less than 10 episodes left before this season wraps up. Uh, still plenty of time to, to get some stuff done, but I'm happy that we're starting to get back into the Prometheus storyline. We see that the, um, you know, Captain Pike and his team try to capture the Green Arrow because evidence now has come out that he is the one that killed the, I forget, the officer. Detective Malone. Detective Malone, that's it. Uh, and it's now starting to come up too that it was a cover-up involved. I love the fact that Oliver has been up front. He admitted fully to Captain Pike exactly what happened um, with the except. He pretty much admits everything to Pike with the exception that I am the Green Arrow. So, you know, we have it on good authority. This is what happened. I, I trust him. For everything he's done for this city, you should trust him too. But now we're seeing that somehow this information has leaked to the press and it's it looks like things are going to get dicey for Oliver as mayor rather than as, as Green Arrow. Yeah. If not both. Um, I, yeah, I think we're going to see both. And I, one of the things I was kind of almost hoping that they were going to do this episode was uh, see Oliver kind of still become Star City's, you know, public enemy number one. Uh, I think that would have been something interesting because of the new police force. It would have shook up some stuff a little bit more so, I think, for the show. Uh, and I think that would have kind of pushed across more of what Prometheus is trying to do to him, is try to ruin his life on all fronts, not just as mayor. Um, so if that stuck, I think it would have been interesting to see how the rest of this would have played out for the season. So, yeah. But, yeah. you know, what? ultimately having Pike turn around and them looking the other way um, with... Uh, you know Oliver and uh, Oliver and company. Um, it would have been interesting to see that play out, but I still think this is going to work because I think his life is about to get very dicey very quick. And I don't know about you at this point, but I think it's almost time that we start getting into Adrian Chase as vigilante. Well, I think that needs to be addressed very soon. It's funny that you bring that up because next week's episode, I watched the promo for it. Looks like it is a lot of vigilante going after Oliver or going after Green Arrow because Green Arrow has become public enemy number one. There we go. So we are going to get to see a lot more Vigilante. We're going to see some more Adrian Chase. But what confuses me about this is that Green Arrow has become public public enemy number one because of a cover-up that Adrian Chase was a part of. Adrian Chase's part is Vigilante. So like, it's almost like it's a double standard for him at this point. You know, it's going to be the end of Invasion again. In the end episodes, it's going to end. It's like, you guys just want to get a beer? It's like, this has just been a huge misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> do we think that this is something? Do we think that with Adrian Chase working for Oliver and as Vigilante going after Green Arrow, do we think this is a possible opportunity for the two to find out who each other is? I think we're going to see that by the end of the next episode. Okay. So I, I think um, if that is indeed what the next week is going to be, I don't think you can keep that plot thread open much longer. Uh, it's just we haven't seen a lot of interaction between those characters, so it's, it hasn't been drug out. But knowing that we still have to deal with the whole Prometheus angle, who Prometheus is, all these little things still. A redemption angle for Thea. Um, what's going to happen with the Canary stuff still? Uh, you know, is Ragman going to come back in this season at all? I mean, there's a lot of questions that are there, and you, you just said it best is... We have nine episodes to do it, so they're going to have to close out one of these stories sooner or later. And I think that one for uh, Vigilante could potentially be next week. Um, uh, I, I stand corrected on one thing for next week's episode. 
Vigilante is not after Green Arrow. He is after Oliver. Okay. As mayor. Because Oliver Queen has become public enemy number one. Um, so reading like a storyline synopsis for next week. Uh, when Vigilante shows up once more, Renee insists that Team Arrow ask him for his help in the fight against Prometheus. So it looks like I, I, it looks like that while he's going after Oliver, Team Arrow is going to have to form up to stop Vigilante. And in the end, if what you predict is correct, everybody's going to be on the same page. Yeah, I think that's where we're going to end up next week. We'll so, see. Yeah, it's a wait and see. But I would say if not next week, the week after. I think this will be closed out. So, All right. Uh, final episode we have to discuss this week is Powerless, Season 1, Episode 4. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Obviously, it's only a 20-minute episode. So, uh, titled, Emily Dates a Henchman. After being urged by her team, Emily sets her sights on the dating world, but unbeknowingly falls for one of the Riddler's henchmen. Meanwhile, Teddy and Ron find a Batman artifact and discover Van's superhero fantasy. So many wonderful moments of this episode. From Alan Tudyk to being uh, Alan Tudyk being in a rubber Robin costume, <laughs> just to uh, like the the connection to the Riddler and Batman and God, like I laughed so hard when you know Van, Teddy, and Ron are in the alley and they're like, "We just met Batman." <laughs> and they never even met him. He just happened to give them their wallets back and take his battering back. Just so many great moments of this episode. And, oh, God, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, well, I got to say right off the bat, like, the, the henchman angle was just fantastic. I love the idea of that. Like, they, they went to, like, their equivalent in Charm City for BuzzFeed. And it's that five signs you know you're dating dating a henchman, you know. It was something about that was just so fun, uh, but I loved you know that we got to see the henchman played by Robert Buckley, who is plays Major on iZombie, so not his first appearance ever in, a, in you know a DC kind of property. So it was really great to see him come over for this, um, but it, it just made me smile though. Especially there was a quick moment when you know we see uh, Emily introduce uh, you know I, his name was I think his character name was Dan until we found out later his name was Reggie <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah uh, when he introduces uh, she, he's introduced to their, everybody else and she's like what happened to your head he's like oh I fell off my bike onto a rock <laughs> and then you was, know Danny was the rock the in the shape of... <laughs> it, Green Lantern's ring you know <laughs> well because it's, it's funny too because the moment I saw that mark on his face I'm like wait a minute that's Green yeah. Lantern's ring <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, and then just Teddy being like, you dropped your skull cap. And they're like, so we all think of the same thing. Yep, she's dating a henchman. Yep, she's dating a henchman. <laughs> and I love to, like, it's it, it's one of those weird things, like, where, it, yes, it, the, the, the henchman element is brilliant because we've never seen that done before, you know, like, in a comedic element like this. But I also love, like, when Jackie is talking to Emily about dating a henchman. She's like, you know what? It's fine. I did it, too, when I was in college. We all experiment a little bit. It's like... Comparing... It's, like, it's, it's like yeah, it's no different than dating a days, uh, dating a bass player. Dating a bass it's, player. Like, <laughs> it's like you know, ultimately you'll just let it fizzle out. They'll either flame out or get killed. Just like, exactly like dating a just a, like a, dating a bass, a bass player. player. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I have to point out something from uh, season. I think it's season or episode one of Powerless. Somebody brought this up. Uh and I can't remember 
Oh, I, I think I remember what it is. It, um, bear with me for one second. Um, somebody brought this up on their Facebook page, and I don't know if you saw this or not, but it was a nice little nod to the DC world that back in season, episode one of Powerless, Emily's father, the actor that played Emily's father, is the original Jimmy Olsen from the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Yes, it was. I completely almost forgot about that. I remember reading about that a couple of weeks ago and just forgot to bring it back up. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think that was incredibly awesome that they did that. So Again, it's another one of these DC property shows bringing in DC alumni. And I love the fact that these TV shows are doing that. So, And I can't wait. I hope this show does it again. I hope this show brings you know, more people into the mix later on. So uh, one of the things I got to definitely say as a takeaway from this episode, I want to see more Teddy, Ron and Van together because the three of them together were so much fun um, and, and it added something kind of special. But like there, there's a really nice dynamic now happening on the show with the cast. The first two episodes were very by the numbers comedy. I'm like, we've used this joke in every setting possible. And now we just moved it into Wayne Industries. And it's just kind of. eh. But now, like I said, we're, they're taking full advantage of things. You know, Danny Pudi kind of finally got a chance to step up this week a little bit, and we got to see more of him. Uh, you know, it, I'm really, really happy with where everything's going so far. But the the Riddler gang was great, especially seeing Alan Tudyk come in drinking a cup of coffee in the Robin suit. They're like, oh my god, Robin's here! <laughs> Robin, Batman's Batman on his must way. Be close, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to get out of here. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I, I think honestly, my highlight scene though for this week, hands down, was the rooftop scene with Ron lay, laying out milk and cookies. For Batman. Um, <laughs> He's not Santa Claus. It's just like, how do you know? They both spend a lot of times on rooftops. Yep. And then it was just Teddy making that comment. It was like, you're wearing a Batman shirt to meet Batman. It's like, I wore a Jason Bateman shirt when I met, J- when I met Bateman. <laughs> it's like, how was his response? Befuddled. <laughs> <laughs> I love, too, that Ron Funches is playing a character named Ron. Yeah, I know. And every time I hear his name, I'm like, Wait, did somebody just make a fuck up on stage? Yeah, that's, what, that's, that's <laughs> what I love. That I'm wondering if that's almost the case. Yeah, like they just kept calling him Ron. So, like, you know what, your character's name is Ron. It's we're just gonna rewrite it. But yeah, no, I'm really, I'm very, very happy with the show though so far. Uh, regardless, even if it has a couple dips, um, I, I am sold. I am absolutely sold on the show. Oh, I'm in until the end at this point. Like the oh, yeah. show, the show is hysterical. So, I mean, I have a friend of mine who doesn't – he doesn't watch sitcoms. Like, other than Friends, he's never he, – he never got into sitcoms before. And I keep telling him, I'm like, you might like this one. You like all the DC shows. This is just a funnier, shorter DC show. So, I'm hopefully I can get him into it as well. Good. So. Yeah, but, if, you, uh, if you gave up on episode one or two, uh, we got to say officially this show's a lock on this show. Uh, I don't see it going away anytime soon, at least until Black Lightning starts up, and then we have to make another hard call. So, Well, we could always see. make it like the Powerless, like five minutes or something like that. Yeah, best we, inventions of Powerless uh, for the season annual. So. Something like that, yeah. So. Totally. Uh, but, yeah, we still got a little bit of time before Black Lightning's coming around, so... But that there has been some news on Black Lightning, which we'll there get to in the been. news portion of this. Uh, but before we do that, before we head into the news and recommendations, you want to talk about our contest? Yeah, why don't, why don't you kick this off? Because right. uh, you're the one that came up with a really kick-ass prize. I was going to go low, low, low tier. And, uh, 
You came up with something drastically better. Well, the idea of the contest was your idea, too. So, But I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk about it a little bit. Here's what we want to see from you, all of you. And this is going to take a lot of participation from you guys on the Facebook page. Uh, and you can create them yourself or you can find them online, whichever way you want to do. But we want to see the funniest DC memes that you can find out there. Find a DC meme, create a DC meme, whatever you want to do. Has to be DC related, but we want to see them. Post them on the Facebook page, post them on the on the timeline, and Rob and I will be looking at all of them and judging them as we go through. And the funniest one that we see uh, is going to win this contest. We're going to do it over the course of the week, so... Should we do a week uh, or uh, two? Let's do, let's do two weeks. Okay. Let's do two weeks to give people a chance. Because so some people not might not episode. listen to this till later in the week. So Right. So um, we'll, we'll give two full weeks, so we'll bring it up again next weekend. And then the following week is when we will uh, make that announcement. Yeah, so you have by not this Sunday, but next Sunday, which would be uh, March. Let me just make sure. This would be March 12th. So we're gonna cut. We're gonna cut it off. Let's say March tenth. We're gonna cut it off. Uh, have those memes posted on our timeline by March tenth. One submission. So pick the best one. Don't go past like posting like fifteen of them on our page, because we're not gonna look at all of them. We're only gonna look at the first one you post. So pick the best one. Post it on our page. The funniest one is going to win the prize. Now here is the prize. We've talked about this a little bit over the past couple weeks, and it has been officially confirmed. I will be heading to Chicago the weekend of March twenty fifth and twenty sixth for Heroes and Villains, uh, Heroes and Villains slash Walker Soccer Con, and we're already working on what panels I'm going to be moderating and who I'm going to be interviewing. I want to bring home a piece of Heroes and Villains back to you. So, the winner of the meme of the DC meme contest is going to get uh, something signed by one of the members and not just signed but I will have them sign it to you personally so this isn't going to be just an autograph you can buy off the internet this will be signed to you specifically by one of the members of a DC show not the the Walking Dead we're not going to go that far but one of the DC characters who will be at Walker Stalker I will have them sign Either a photo of themselves or a piece of artwork that we get from one of the vendors or something. You might even get multiple signatures on this thing if I can swing it. But I am going to bring home a piece of Heroes and Villains Chicago and it's going to be for the contest winner. And to give you at least a little bit of an idea of some of the people that will be at Heroes and Villains Chicago... Uh, so it could be any of these people, could be multiple of these people, but Stephen Amell, John Barrowman, Brandon Routh, David Ramsey, Katie Cassidy, Willa Holland, Charlotte Ross, Neil McDonough, Echo Cullum, Katrina Law, Carlos Valdez, Robbie Amell, Katie Lotz, uh, Milo Ventimiglia, Robin Lord-Taylor, David Mizzou, and Drew Powell will all be in attendance. So this is pretty big. We can't say who it's going to be because it's going to be based purely because, you know, this isn't just uh, Ben walking up to these people because he's doing work with them but more than likely we are going to pay to have this done um so this is us chipping in together to do this and if things end up being multiple they end up being multiple it's a wait and see but we can't tell you who it's going to be yet but it will be one of those names i can i can tell you right now too i can tell you at least two things because as rob mentioned it's as as a member of the press when you go and you interview people it's okay to ask for photos because you do need photos for your website and things like that. It's very unprofessional to ask for autographs. 
uh, because that's something that fans do not press. So as Robin mentioned, this isn't something that once I'm done interviewing this person, I'm going to get them to sign something. It's it's pretty much they're they're going to uh, we're going to have to pay for these autographs. However, there are at least one or two people that go to these cons um, that we are friends with personally. Drew Powell being one of them. I can almost guarantee you Drew Powell will be one of the signatures that you have because I will. All I have to do is ask him and he'll do it. So I can almost guarantee you Drew will sign something. So I'm, I'm almost thinking, Rob, you had brought this up too. A little while ago, I had designed that logo for, um, you know, for the podcast of all the logos of all the shows together. Flash, Heroes, Legends, um, Supergirl, and Gotham. I'm almost thinking of printing out an 8x10 glossy of that and getting the signatures on that logo. This way, it, they could be from different shows and it really wouldn't matter because it, would be, uh, it would still be on part of that. Right. It's a little something unique. And let's go into one other specific, too. I want to say when you post your meme, do it through the visitor's post point. Do not do it on the episodes. That way we're not looking at two, maybe three episodes that people are posting it on. So just post it through the visitor's post spots on Facebook. That way we are looking purely at one place for these memes. We'll know where they're at. So we'll go off of that uh, that realm. And we also decided we're going to sweeten the pot. Um, because right now our numbers have been growing, not only because of our you know 50th episode, but we broke over 200, and now we're really close to 250 as well. So if we break the 250, we will add a second prize into the mix, and whoever comes in second will have a choice between, I believe we said, Telltale's uh, Batman, or you will get Justice League Dark uh, on Blu-ray DVD combo, so you can specify whoever is the second place winner, so... Yeah, but we have exactly. to hit 250 for that one to come into play. So. Yep. So share the page, get your friends to like the page, and uh, do whatever you can to get us more likes before you know by March 10th. And uh, if we get to 250, which I'm I'm actually pretty confident we will. Uh, I think we're at like 229, 230 right now, and that almost 30 of them happened in the past week. So actually, I think almost 30 of them happened in the past couple of days. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So definitely, you know, share the share the page. Get your friends to like it. We hit two fifty before March tenth, and we will sweeten the pot with a second place prize as well. So I'm really excited about this. I'm I'm really excited about going to Chicago. I'm excited about podcasting while I'm in Chicago, even though it involves me waking up at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, but you know, hey, Brian Glein from DCR will be with us too. So yes, kind of exactly. Awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to having a bigger team in Chicago because we'll have a couple of members out there with me, and I'm looking forward to bringing bringing something back personalized for for you guys. So it's uh, I'm I'm and if this works, man, we'll do this every time I go to a con. Yeah, so, so it's gonna we'll, be awesome. We'll make it fun. All right, so let's uh, jump over to the news, get through this, and uh, then I get to go check out Lego Batman today in the theaters. So I I'm saw very it. Excited. I can't wait. It's it's, so, it's good. It's so good. I am excited. So real quick, we're gonna go into a little TV stuff, then wrap up with uh, the movie universe. But right off the bat, something that we want to discuss is a little bit of what's to come in the Flash. Um, we do know coming up in a couple episodes from now. Uh, Barry's turning back to the Speed Force to uh, get a little help in stopping Salivar, or not Salivar, <laughs> sorry, Savitar. <laughs> Savitar. That's, that's going to screw me up. I didn't think about that. Um, but yeah, so Savitar obviously making his big return very, very soon. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if this is going to have a similar feel to the Runaway Dinosaur. Um, 
I don't know who the, is writing this episode, but because I saw this specifically, actually, here we go. We do have uh, names. It's uh, Brooke Roberts, and I think, yeah, Brooke Roberts is the lead on writing this one. So it's not a Zach Stentz episode, but I do hope it's got that sensation and feel from Runaway Dinosaur when we go back into the Speed Force and see Barry kind of commune with it. So very excited to see where that is going to go. Obviously, we know there's a couple other big things coming up soon as well with Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, but most notably, Legends of Tomorrow has an episode soon where they're going to be heading to the moon and during the Apollo 13 mission, and it sounds like Ray is going to get stranded. So I'm actually really looking forward to seeing them tackle uh, the Apollo 13 mission, but it sounds like that's when we will see um, you know, uh, Nate's grandfather back in the mix, so Commander Steel will be present in that episode. Um, so yeah, lots to be excited about on that coming up soon, uh, as far as moving into the Arrow universe a little bit more. Um, you know, Stephen Amell get it, got a chance to speak a little bit more about flashbacks and where things may indeed go in, uh, season six. And specifically saying that, you know, it seems like season to season, they kind of play with the idea of, uh, what they should do. And a lot of it, they did state, they kind of come up with on the fly in between seasons, what's next. They did say, as far as season six is concerned, they are not entirely, you know, sure exactly how this is going to pan out. But he did say, more than likely, these could be flash forwards going forward. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing them play with this because there's so much of the Oliver Queen Green Arrow mythos that we haven't seen tackled yet. And that maybe gives us the ability to spend a little bit more time in the future, see a little bit more of characters like Connor Hawk, and uh, see where this team ends up in five to ten years from now. So a lot could be really played with with this. So are they are they going to go see. on the flash sidewayses in the final season? <laughs> yeah, it's very possible. So who knows? <laughs> <It's> very lost. <laughs> and then they we find out that this entire show they've been in purgatory the entire. They were not summer. in purgatory on Lost. <laughs> <laughs> Stop I'm just it. having fun with you, buddy. <laughs> I know it, it ruffles your feathers. So. But yeah, you I'm very Brianna curious to Bond. see. I know. Uh, I'm very curious to see where this is going to go, though, next season. But I'm really looking forward to seeing it. But I'm sure we'll hear more about this in the coming months over the summer, probably by San Diego. So wait and see. Uh, but going into new shows in D.C., uh, and especially in the CW world, uh, we have our casting for Jefferson Pierce, a.k.a. Black Lightning. And that is Cress Williams. Uh, and this is somebody that, oddly enough, people may remember from Prison Break. So it's great to see them pulling from that well of Fox. So... Teddy Sears, don't worry, buddy. See, we told you. It's okay. They do share. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, Cress Williams, uh, previously from Heart of Dixie in both Prison Break as well, has been additionally, uh, has been indeed cast for the lead role of Jefferson Pierce. So we're looking forward to hearing more news about this soon. I think he is the only person being uh, that has been cast at this point in time. But notably, he's also been in Star Trek D Space Nine as well, and actually played a prior DC character in a episode of Lois and Clark way back in the day he played baron sunday so so we will maybe have to dig that episode up during uh one of our two silver age spectaculars for this summer yeah um but let's jump over a little bit more now over to the film universe there's quite a bit to talk about this week uh and i'm actually maybe a little bit more excited because it it stomped down some of the fears that we discussed last week but first things first let's touch about justice league sounds like indeed we will be seeing a green lantern character in the flick um we don't know who that's going to be yet the only i think specific words that we got from uh Zack Snyder is, it is a character with a very funny sounding name. So I wouldn't be surprised if that is Kilowog. So it's a wait and see. 
I granted, I would be really pumped if they said, "Screw it, we're doing the, the you know Nort or a chip, you know the Squirrel Green Lantern." Yeah, that would just be kind of fantastic. But I have a feeling maybe we'll see Kilowog in the mix um, in in this movie, or at least mentioned. But who knows? It's a wait and see. Um, but let's uh, talk a little bit about Batman because big things have happened in this past week. Ben, I know you were very kind of afraid last week when we heard nothing back from Ben Affleck as far as that comment. Of him having uh, wanting to drop out of the role. Well, yeah. he has taken to the internet this week, specifically on Twitter, and it was a quick shot that said, Welcome to the Batcave at Matt Reeves, confirming that Ben Affleck is indeed on board still, and Matt Reeves, who previously was thought that talks broke down, is indeed signed as the director. So. Hope is not lost yet because Matt Reeves was a great choice, and I'm really happy to see that he is the one in the mix. And I'm very happy to see that Ben Affleck is not going anywhere, and he will be continuing on with this character. So things are looking up uh, for uh, the DC uh, Cinematic Universe. My, so. my faith has been slightly restored as far as the DC Universe goes. And there's another story that makes it a little bit even more restored for me because if they can make this work... Uh, not only are we padding out Ben Affleck's Batman, knowing some of the things that came before it, but a Nightwing movie is indeed in the works at Warner Brothers, and it's from Lego Batman movie director Chris McKay. And if anything that I've heard from everybody that has seen that movie, that means this could be potentially in good hands, because apparently, as much as fun as he had poking at the source material, I heard they did a great job honoring this. Oh my material. god, they do. There are so many elements of the original, of not just one element of Bat previous Batmans, there are elements of every previous Batman iteration in this movie, in Lego Batman. So, I was a little dismayed when I heard they were making a Nightwing movie, because I'm like, no, 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 put it in Berlanti's hands. I don't want to see it in Zack Snyder or anything. But then when I heard Chris McKay, I'm like, you know what? After seeing Batman, Lego Batman, I'm kind of okay with this. I, 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 I can accept this. Uh, this feels like why... Uh, this actually is when I heard this rumbling and when I saw this play out, when I saw who was attached to it, it feels like they're pulling a book out of uh, Marvel's page. Or p pulling a page out of Marvel's book. Sorry, I have that completely wrong. Strike that, reverse it. <laughs> um, but it seems like, you know, Marvel, we've seen call up really interesting talent to helm some of their stuff. Like we've seen, you know, you know, people that have worked on Community now running their best films, hands down. Uh, you know, Captain America Civil War, uh, you know, uh, Captain America 2 Winter Soldier now Avengers Infinity War, you know, uh, Infinity War being handled by two amazing people with the Russo brothers. It's so great to see. And this felt like a really great move from Warner Brothers to tap somebody that's got familiarity with the characters, uh, knows his comic history, and is able to honor it in a great way, unlike people like maybe Mel Gibson. Uh, but I think this is a really great call. So I'm really excited to see what Chris McKay is able to bring to Dick Grayson's story in Nightwing. And also, like I said, I'm really curious to see how that affects the past of uh, Ben Affleck's version of Bruce Wayne and Batman. So I'm really excited about this. God, I know it's I know it's a, it's a total spoiler, but there's a throwaway line in Lego Batman you made me think of when you mentioned Suicide Squad. Because I won't tell you the situation, but I'll just tell you the line where the one point... You know, Will Arnett as Lego Batman says, put together a group of villains to take on other villains. What a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's a total nod to Suicide Squad. <laughs> so, 
uh, I don't know where where you stand on all this, but I think this is this could be potentially really awesome. I I think it has potential. I just I thought Batman v Superman had potential, and I was just really while I slightly enjoyed it, I was still com- I was still very let down for the potential that it had. Um, you know, I don't think it lived up to what it could have been. And I think there was too many studio politics that got in the way. And I think we're still seeing elements of those studio politics with, you know, the rumored Matt Reeves leaving and, you know, the rumor of Ben Affleck leaving. Like, these are things that scare people, whether they're true or not. They scare the fans. Um, You know, and the closest thing we've had to any of that with Marvel was when Edgar Wright dropped out of Ant-Man. But in my opinion, he still stayed on as a producer and writer and he didn't direct it. And Ant-Man was still a great movie, in my opinion. So we don't get these scares out of the Marvel camp. We get them only out of DC. And I'll be honest, it scares the shit out of me. So I'm I'm still I'm hopeful, but I'm skeptical at the same time. Yeah, well, I will say this. I, you know, I, you, we we bring this point up pretty often, and you know, uh, I, you know, Man of Steel, I liked, you hated. You know, BVS had some great points and had a lot of lows, and Suicide Squad started getting shit right. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where Wonder Woman falls uh, this summer, and then uh, where we're gonna see Justice League at the end of the year. If they can at least keep the climb moving forward, does you know, I, I'll be I'll be very happy. But you know, the idea that Matt Reeves is in for Batman. Uh, that is a ticket sold for me already, and uh, and the fact that Affleck is still on board to play the part. So I mean, that that's enough to keep me to keep me going. My only fear with Nightwing, even with Chris McKay, um, is God, tell the studio to shut the fuck up. Like yeah. let him have reign at this movie. You've seen the success he's got with Lego Batman. If the studio execs try to get involved with this movie, especially with a property like Nightwing, if the studio execs try to get involved, somebody needs to step up, whether it's Jeff Johns or whoever, needs to step up and say, shut the fuck up, we've got this. Yeah, well, that's the one thing still is we still have yet to see a full Jeff Johns film, and that's not until Justice League. So we don't know what that really, the involvement is going to be. Like, he was there for part of Wonder Woman, but not all of it. But Justice League, he was there from day one. So we know that movie's coming out regardless. The movie is shot, you know. Um, so we know by the end of the year, we'll, we'll have a really good answer about the future of the DC Extended Universe films. Yeah. We'll, we'll really know by then exactly where things are going to stand. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, on recommendations, um, I have one. I don't know if you have anything yet. I do have one. Well, why don't you kick it off? Um, okay. Um, mine is, again, going a little bit out of format, but because of the amazing episode of Legends of Tomorrow that we had uh, and me being a fact of growing up on the Knights of the, the, Knights of the Round Table and King Arthur, uh, it has put me very much so to go back and reread a book that I read when I was younger. I know it's not DC, but I'm still recommending it anyway, The Once and Future King by T.H. White. It is a fantastic story of King Arthur, and I'm going to go back and reread it now specifically because of that episode of Legends. And you know what, too? If you haven't watched it yet, this isn't my recommendation, but I will say if you have three minutes out of your day, check out the new trailer for King Arthur Legend of the Sword by Guy Ritchie starring Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy. The the more... 
Holy crap, I'm excited about The it. more I watch that trailer, the more excited for that movie I get. Because I wasn't very much excited the first time I watched it. But then after like the second and third viewings, I'm like, you know what? I can kind of get the, I can kind of get behind this because Guy Ritchie did good with Sherlock Holmes, and I read Sherlock Holmes when I was younger too. So I, I think he can do well with King Arthur. So I'm I'm behind it now. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, and uh, like I said, um, so make sure make sure you definitely check that out. But for me, I got to say because of uh, just comics this week, it was a book that I didn't expect to be good that turned turned out to be quite awesome. Justice League of America number one uh, ended up being quite wonderful. That's the new team featuring Vixen, uh, you know, the Adam Lobo, old school Lobo, mind you, Killer Frost, Black Canary, Batman, and the Ray. And uh, it was quite exceptional, and I definitely highly recommend people go out there, pick it up. Uh, The writer is Steve Orlando, and it's just a great new dynamic for a team and you get Lord Havoc and the extremists. So it's a little bit of almost kind of Marvel versus DC. So hmm. I might definitely have to check it out. I might have to go back and, and check that one. I haven't read comics in probably a couple months, but uh, maybe that's a good jumping back on point. Cause especially yeah. since it's a number one. So yeah. And especially too, because you're seeing a lot of characters that are present on these DC shows right now. So Vixen, you know, killer frost and, and you know, Adam. So Kind of a uh, kind of curious to see if they're going to start pulling more into building the characters that are on TV uh, currently, if making them a little bit more front and center for those people that don't know them. So, but yeah. I think this was a this was a really fun read, and uh, it's I really really highly recommend. So okay, uh, yeah, and one other recommendation I will make only because I've already seen it. Rob's going to see it this afternoon, and I highly recommend it. Go see Lego Batman; it's so good. It, it's so, so well done, and it pays homage to, uh, as Robin mentioned, to a lot of previous Batman. So it's 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 really well done. So do you, should we talk Lego Batman next week? Um, it's we been a can. Couple weeks out, yeah, because I know normally we try to do these things timely for us. Uh, I know this one just didn't sync up well with our our, our personal lives, but uh, let's yeah, let's you know let's let's do a talk about that one next. Okay, week, just that for works. Fun. That works. So. Uh, yeah, so next week we will talk all five shows once again. We'll talk a little bit about Lego Batman. We'll remind you yet again about our DC meme contest, which we just talked about earlier this podcast, and I can't wait to get you guys that prize and get it in your hands. It's, it's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, so, yeah, so uh, that's going to wrap it up for – oh, no, cheap recommend or cheap plugs uh, from the Showcast Spotlight, which is my other podcast on here on the Next Level Podcast Network, which is our interview podcast and such, uh, where we do all of our celebrity interviews. Uh, you can find that on nextlevelradioonline.com. And for me, uh, I got to say, make sure you check out the Cafe Crewcast of Pods. We are trying to figure out the date for the for the February episode. It will be late, but I wanted to do that for a good reason. Uh, I will have a Nintendo Switch uh, next week, so I want to make sure I get a good chance to talk about that on that episode. So kind of excited about that from some of the positive things I've been hearing. So, uh, yeah, uh, we will definitely talk a little bit of Nintendo Switch and uh, who knows what else. But that will probably be coming within the first two weeks of March. So and I haven't canceled my I haven't canceled my pre-order on mine yet either, so I think I'm sticking with it. Good, good. We could have two people talk about it. <laughs> That's so. true. So, but uh, yeah, so that'll be coming soon. And uh, in addition, make sure you head over and uh, spay. Uh, we go. Yeah, yeah. I can't spay. talk today. Spay no, your cats. We're not ca- no, yeah, you can spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> um, right, but no, Parker. I was going to say. Um, 
pay a little thanks to George Shaw over at georgeshawmusic.com and check out his tunes. Uh, we thank him each and every week for the music that you hear on this show. So, yeah. And Do not spay George Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, just because it was something that we had mentioned really quick earlier in the podcast, you guys have already heard the news and by now at this point, I'm sure by the time you listen to this, the only man who was killed by an alien, a predator, and Terminator. Uh, rest in peace, Bill Paxson, since we just found yes. out about that while recording this episode. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Thank you once again for following, subscribing to the podcast, posting on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, get those memes to us before March 10th, and we will pick a winner uh, in that week's recording of the episode, and you'll get an awesome prize from Heroes and Villains Atlanta. Be sure to check out the shows. We'll be back next week to talk about them, but until then, we'll see you guys around the band. Take care. Peace. Peace.